Hey guys, welcome to F Nation with Gabby Roseman, a show about fierce female leaders who took a leap of faith to achieve results beyond anything they could have hoped or imagined. I'm Gabby Roseman, and on the show today, founder and CEO of national media agency PR Vane, Erica Hicks Anderson tells us how she went from New York fashionista to media maven. At an early age, Erica dreamed of building a career in fashion. Originally from Florida, Erica knew she would need a New York City address to secure the job she wanted with major brands such as Vogue and Net-A-Porter. After getting her undergrad degree from Florida A&M University, Erica worked three jobs to save enough money to make her way to the fashion capital of the world. Without a permanent place to stay and $5,000 saved, Erica packed her bags and moved to New York City. This first leap of faith would set the stage for Erica's career and success as an entrepreneur. The second time I took a leap of faith was when I quit my job um, from a, a, one of my dream companies, Net-A-Porter. I was there for a little over a year and I just, I just kept getting that itch. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I kept getting that itch to just, you know, to just be free, you know, to do my own thing, to not have to run ideas by my superiors to just do my own thing. And at the time I felt like God was leading me on that path because I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. That was always the end goal. However, Mm -hmm. I didn't think he would push me in that direction. So young, you know, I was, I think 28, 28 years old, 27, 28. And I just was like, absolutely not God this is not the time like (laughs) I'm really comfortable I'm really stable I got this good job this good check you know good benefits however so many people at that time just kept reaching out to me to do freelance work like hey he worked on this small project hey he worked on this small project and literally I woke up one day and I had way more um money than I had with my actual salary so I was like Okay, mm-hmm. well, he set me up nice and right, so this this was the, yes. best, the best fit. So that was a that was the moment you knew it was time to jump. Exactly, yeah, that big <laughs> yeah. cliff jump. <laughs> yeah, because they say you know when it's God ordained, then God will provide, oh, yeah. and I think your story is the exact testament um, to that philosophy. Oh, for sure, He will line everything up just for you, even when you can't see it, and that's why I think it's so real when people say. Um, you got to walk by faith and not by sight because you can't see it. You're like, what? How am I going to make a living? Mm-hmm. I need security. I need this. I need that. But God was like, no, no, no. Just just keep r- working with me. And he literally just kept throwing opportunities my way. So many people just kept reaching out to me. And it got to a point where I had to say no. And then I looked at my books mm-hmm. with my accountant maybe at the end of one of those quarters. And he said, well, Erica, you've made way more money the last quarter than you have for the whole year working for mm-hmm. somebody else. So that's when it hit me that, oh, I don't need to, I don't need to work for anybody anymore. So that was that was a big yeah. leap of faith. Yeah. And and it's great that you had that experience where you kind of proved your business model before you even got started mm-hmm. and before you were fully committed to taking that jump. 
So, and obviously you had the benefit of people reaching out to you and kind of building your business organically. Was that the early stage of PR Vane? Yes. And it's so interesting because PR Vane wasn't anything at that moment, meaning I did not have a name. There was no PR Vane. It was just Erica Hicks, my maiden name at the time. Um, And it was, it was just like a Gmail account. (laughs) I mean, literally no Mm -hmm. website. (laughs) No pretty invoice with a nice custom banner at the top. Um, it was literally, you know, you know, PayPal me the money, send me. A, I mean, literally, I'm, I'm, I take that back. It wasn't even PayPal. I was literally picking up checks, like literally stopping oh, wow. by people's offices yeah. <laughs> and apartment complexes to just pick up a check. But no, like, I, I that's why I kept saying no. It can't be God. Like, if I start a company. I got to do it right. I'm like this anal A type woman. I have to have this right. I have this. I have to have this beautiful website, and I gotta have a business name, and I got to be incorporated, and I have to have you know this and that. And God said, no, 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 no. You you got the basics. I'll take care of the rest. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. <laughs> I love that. I love that because so so often we can allow that to hold us back. Mm-hmm. You know, I. I always say, you know, I have business plans that die by a million Excel spreadsheets Mm. (laughs) because you're so worried about the numbers and and the plan and how, how does it make the most sense? But to be in a position where you felt like you were hearing directly from God and things were lining up in your favor, it's like you have no choice but to take advantage and maximize that opportunity. He literally pushed me to entrepreneurship because I fought it. I fought it tooth and nail because, again, you have this vision of what your life should look like. I have to have this. I have to have this name. I have to have this, you know, business checking account. I have to have a PayPal business account. And God is like, no, 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 you don't need all that. I'll take care of the rest. So I really fought it tooth and nail. And I also felt like I was too young, you know, but I had almost almost 10 years of experience by that time. But to me, it still wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's like you you don't know until you're in the yeah. thick of it. And so, you know, it sounds like from the onset, you know, your relationship with God has been a foundation of how you, you know, first launched and then ultimately have you how you've grown. How has your belief, you know, in the power of God really shaped your entrepreneurial journey? Well, I come from a very spiritual background. Like my mom ran the usher board. My grandmother, heavy in the church. Um, My mom died when I was 11 years old and I went into foster care for a short period of time. And my foster parents were Catholic. So diehard church every Sunday, you know, Wednesday night really, really into just going to mass and and having a relationship with God. But outside of my foster parents, um, I went to live with my mom's sister, my aunt, who basically raised me. And she is truly a woman of God. Um, She literally had me in church every day of the week from Bible study Mm -hmm. to choir rehearsal, um, you name it. You know, I, I, I did so much. So I had a very strong foundation with God. And unlike some people who grow up in the church who turn away after they get older, I was the opposite because I had such a rough childhood and because I had such a a tough time, you know, falling in love with myself. You know, when your mom died, when you're so young, you know, 11 years old, I was the youngest Mm -hmm. of six kids. You feel unwanted. You know, you feel like, okay, 
nobody really wants me. You know, I'm the baby. I, people got to really pay attention to me. You know, I come from a very broken home. People, you know, don't get married. Um, you know, which, what people will call the ghetto, you know, very low income neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have 18 nieces and nephews, big, big, big family. And I was the first person to go to college in my entire family. So for me, my entire life was pretty much in God's hands because I just knew that I did not want to go down the same road, you know, other people in my family have gone. I needed to get out of, you know, the ghetto. I needed to get out of Miami. I needed to go to college. I needed to make something of myself. And I knew that the key to that was God and continuing to have Mm -hmm. that relationship with him, even when things were going well. And that's where I think a lot of people, you know, they go wrong when things are going so well in your life you think oh okay well I don't really need God anymore no 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 no, not even me even in college when I would get my net check I would pay my tithes because I was like listen this mm-hmm. is God exactly don't forget where you're where who yeah, your source yeah. is <laughs> so I, I had a foundation a long time ago that has just been rooted in my heart and so um entrepreneurship really was a struggle for me and having that relationship with God and that foundation, it just helped me to strengthen it with God because I had to continue to lean on him through the ups and the downs. And when you lose business, you get more business and you're overwhelmed and you're like, God, I can't keep up with all of this business. I need to hire somebody or I don't know who to hire. I don't know how to handle this. So I really, um, I had that foundation and I had to continue to lean on it through the years um, and continue to cultivate that relationship with God because I feel like even if you have a foundation with God, it's going to be challenged. Every single day of your mm-hmm. life is going to be challenged. Absolutely. So, because I had that foundation, I was always reminded that who who is the source of your strength? Who is the source of your joy? How are you going to move forward? You know, where who can you look to to get that insight? And it was always him. Yeah, that is so powerful. And, you know, it's like your life is a testament to God's transformative Mm -hmm. power. And even going beyond that, just the ability to break down some of those, it sounds like generational curses uh, within your family and having that be at the core of who you are, but something that you utilize as power rather than allowing it to weigh you down and prevent you from growing in whatever sphere you choose to move forward in. Before I had a really strong relationship with God, it did weigh me down. I felt, like I said, I had a very rough childhood where I was very depressed. I just felt like my whole, I just felt like Mm -hmm. I wasn't really valued. I wasn't important. I didn't feel loved. And it wasn't until I started to really embrace God and really listen while going to church every day and learning that, you know what? He is going to be my key to success, my key to life, my key to my own family, and like I said, he, he really forced me to, you know, lean on him and, and trust him through everything. Interestingly, Erica and I both started off in fashion, but transitioned to careers in media. She worked at Vogue in the communications department, while I interned at Vogue in the accessories department. She transitioned to the agency world at KCD while I moved on to Gotham. Eventually, Erica landed her dream job at Net-A-Porter. Given Erica's foundation of faith, I wondered if her experience was similar to my own when it came to blending faith and fashion. 
what were those early days in the New York fashion world like, particularly given the fact that there isn't a lot of God or spirit present um, mm-hmm. within fashion, uh, at least as I've known it? Did you have a different experience? Oh, no, experience? you're spot on. <laughs> you're spot on. Yeah, you, people didn't talk about religion in fashion. Um, now, I did have an internship early on with this company called Harlem's Fashion Row. Are you familiar with them? Okay. I'm it's not. A, it's what a, do they do? Well, actually, it's about 10 years old now. But before, when I started working there, I think they were maybe like two or three years old. They wanted to create a platform for designers of color to really give them, you know, a okay. platform to showcase their brand, promotion, sales, etc. And the founder of the company was this woman of color. And she was God-fearing. And I can't even remember how we connected. I forgot somebody put me in contact with her. And she was looking for an intern and she just needed somebody on like Saturdays to help her out. I'm like, okay, well, I'll do whatever. Like, I'm just trying to, you know, learn and grow. And so she was one of the first people that I met in fashion. She wasn't really in fashion, like that deep, like, you know, like, like, like how I wanted to be. Like I was at IMG and KD mm-hmm. and Tommy Hilfiger and all these big agencies working with these big brands. She was definitely on a smaller scale. She was like up and coming at that time. But I remember on Saturdays interning with her, she would always start off with prayer and end with prayer. And I was thinking like, wow. And there would be times I would open my eyes while while she was praying just to see that everybody else in that room believed what she was saying because she was speaking her business into like it, like she was literally speaking it into existence. And 10 years later, she is very, mm-hmm. very successful. So yeah, that's fashion. Um, Harlow's Fashion Row. Oh, that's awesome. Um, but what was, what was your question? Well, just wondering, you know, in the broader, probably more traditional, you know, established fashion world where you mentioned kind of your experience with KCD and working with, mm-hmm. you know, household names. What was that like? What was that experience like, given that there's generally, yeah. you know, an absence of God within One those word. spaces? Hard. Very, very, very hard. Okay. Um, working in fashion was one of my biggest dreams. I knew going to New York that I wanted to work for a certain type of company. I was very, very specific about the kinds of companies that I wanted to work with. And I say that because when I got to New York, or even before I got to New York, I drafted up a list of the top companies that I saw myself working at. And Vogue was on that list. KCD was on that list. IMG was on that list. Net-A-Porter. Those were my dream companies. And when I started working in the industry, I realized that it's very hard to be accepted when you're being your authentic mm-hmm. self. I didn't feel like I, I fit in. You know, it was very hard to make friends. Nobody really looked like me. <laughs> um, and mm-hmm. I had to really lean on God to really accept myself because there were times when I would battle my own spirit, you know, to, to change who I was, to fit in, to get to the next step, to get to the next position. Um, and in this industry, as you know, it's it's like, it's deep, like cutthroat. Like everybody's looking for you. Everybody's trying to get your job. Yes. Everybody's trying to, you know, rise up in the ranks and you're trying to make friends, especially when you work in PR. Your job is to make friends, mm-hmm. is to build relationships. It's to, it, it, we are 
we are truly like persuaders. We're, we're there to persuade, to build relationships, to get favorable mentions. And that's not easy. It's not easy. Yep. Especially when you don't, you know, agree with some of the things that take place in our industry sometimes, you know, from, you know, the way you dress mm-hmm. to, you know, um, people who, who prefer to drink or smoke or do other things. And it's like, is that your thing? No. Are you going to do whatever you got to do to fit in? Maybe. No. So it's like, you know, the devil mm-hmm. really starts to test you in that, in that, um, in that area. And so that's how I felt. I felt every day, every day. I can't tell you one day that was easy. And I think part of me feels like it's because yeah. I chose those very tough companies where people were very successful. They've been at, they have been at the company for years, especially when you, you go to a particular company um, and you feel like, okay, this is my dream company. They don't leave. Almost every company that I was at, like mm-hmm. people have been there for five plus years, eight plus years. They weren't, they weren't trying to move because they were very content and happy, but it was very hard, very, very hard. Yeah. I echo your sentiments there. You know, I think it is very similar to mine. And and when you're in your formative years and you're trying to figure out acceptance for yourself and you are put in these environments where the temptation is so prevalent, and especially when that temptation is inextricably Mm -hmm. linked to your success within that world, you really start to figure out, you know, who you are. And I think, again, the point that you made about it being about PR, being about relationships, you know, that is so much of the success in fashion, but I think in business in general and how you go about building those relationships, I think, says more about your character than anything else. Absolutely, Um, especially with um, new business, you know, being on the agency side, you're constantly Mm -hmm. looking for new business, you have to retain your clients that's a struggle. And I've met so many people through the years where I'm like, God, that's not, that's so not fair. How did you allow this agency to thrive over mine when I'm trying to be honest? I'm trying to be transparent. I'm not going to sell anybody a dream. If I don't feel, you know, you know, mm-hmm. motivated and inspired. And if I don't feel like I can really help that brand, I will walk away. And everybody on my team will tell you one of my mottos is, I'm not in the business of just making money. I'm in the business of really shaping mm-hmm. the future. Like I want to help people be successful. I want the small brands with great product or an amazing service to be a big brand one day. I want them to be on the same level as those big boys. But you have so many other um, you know, entrepreneurs and agency owners, they don't care. They will say any and everything to get that business, to get that retainer, to get that contract signed. Mm-hmm. And and that's not me. You know, I, I will even let people out of their contracts if they just couldn't afford it. Because to me, I just kept thinking, okay, well, God brought one company to me. He'll bring another one. He'll keep replacing them. And for a very long time, the first four years yes. of, in business, I never had to pitch new business. Literally all of my business was from referrals and I was able to hire full-time employees, you know, live a great life, pay myself a great salary. And that's purely off of referrals. Not a lot of people can say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is awesome. And a testament to you and your faith and obviously your work product and in, in your delivery. And I love what you say about I'm in the business of shaping the future and working with those challenger brands and having that impact 
be greater mm-hmm. than the greed yeah. that so many are faced with. Um, how do what helps you to be able to make those decisions? Is it tied to your conviction and just who you want to be and, and how you want to know, be seen to in the world? Be true. I have to know my worth. I have to know, you know, what I stand for. Um, and you know, I want I want to be a multimillionaire. I want to have, uh, you know, a big family, and I want to have nice things, nice cars, nice bags, nice shoes. But that stuff is so minute when it comes to my soul. I want to be able Mm -hmm. to one day, you know, feel like God is just very proud of me. Every decision that I made, everything that I've, you know, included my life in, I want to feel good about it, you know? So that's why that's my motto because I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not persuaded by greed. I want to make sure that I'm a part of somebody's success story. I'm helping people who, again, have great product, have an amazing service. I believe in them. They just don't have the right strategy or they don't have the right contacts or the right system in place to get there. So for me, it's about checking my soul and making sure that everything that I'm doing is is right by God. You know, I want to honor him and him first. Yeah, I love that. Um, Especially so you mentioned the contacts and systems, you know, and that being a part of the process um, of building success for those companies that you work with who may not have it. Um, And I noticed with you, at least your background, you are on various boards uh, and you're an active member at several organizations. Um, How have these networks helped to shape the trajectory Um, of your business? I I definitely think working in PR and marketing, those two channels alone, you have to have the right relationships in place and you have to have the right network in place. Um, being a part of several different organizations and boards has, they've really opened up doors for me. Um, being able to one, you know, bounce ideas off of different professionals, especially when you're going through a challenging time and you just don't know what to do. Um, for a very long time, mm-hmm. you know, I, I worked by myself. You know, I was a solo entrepreneur for, I would say, the first couple of years. And in 2016, I hired my first full-time employee. So, those first couple of years, you're so used to doing things one way and you don't run into maybe a lot of, you know, problems. But for me, I needed to be able to have that network of people where I could call and get insight from or, you know, and they won't charge me per se. You know, they're not like, hey, this is my retainer fee, you know, for consulting. Um, so being a part of these different organizations, mm-hmm. and boards, they've been very beneficial. Um, I also think it's very helpful when building a, a, um, a business um, as an entrepreneur, sadly, in our industry, PR and marketing, um, people want to make sure that you're credible. You know, people can say anything, anything. Mm-hmm. Anybody can walk into a room and say, hey, I did this, I did that. But you have to be credible. You have to back up your work with true, you know, data. You got to show them your work, show them examples of your work. Mm-hmm. Um, people to vouch for you. Um, so if you look on my LinkedIn, I have over 15 recommendations from people. Sometimes I didn't, I don't even ask, but because people truly enjoy working with me, mm-hmm. they value me. They're like, okay, well, even after I end a relationship or end a contract, they're like, how can I, how can I help your business, Erica? How can I, you know, provide a recommendation for you in any way? And I'm like, um, could you, you know, write a testimonial that we can use maybe on our website or I could put in our media kit or maybe if you want to go on LinkedIn 
that goes a long way. Having that a credible, uh, you know, group of people behind you, different networks, different organizations, it makes a big difference. And sometimes it's expensive joining these organizations, but I definitely think it's worthwhile. What advice would you give to someone who recognizes that this is an opportunity for them to propel their own business forward and it's something that's missing within their mix? What advice would you give them to go about establishing, you know, which organizations to join um, and and how did you prioritize that? Really understand what they stand by and be a part of the organization um, in a very, you know, small way, whether that is volunteering um, becoming a general member, uh, interviewing a few different people. And the reason I say interview is because you need to also know your worth and what you are pouring back into this organization. I think every organization that I'm a part of, I am of value. You know, I am getting something from them, but I'm also pouring back into mm-hmm. them. So really interview a few people. Hey, what was your experience like? You know, what were your top five things that you learned within your first year? Um, based on the amount of money that you spend, you know, um, you, do you think you got a return on your investment? Make sure that you are doing that research. So that's that's definitely the first thing. Um, the second thing is make sure that you find a mentor in every organization that you join. So somebody that's already been in that organization mm. for X amount of years that you can really lean on to help shape you and move you in the right direction. So those two are my biggest, my, my, those are the two biggest uh, things that I would recommend. Do some research and not just general research. Oh, I just Googled and read this online, but really taking it a step further. <laughs> because there are some organizations that I have um, elected not to participate in because of my research. After talking to a few people, they're like, listen, it's all smoke mm-hmm. and mirrors. It looks like this. And then you pay $2,000. Yes. <laughs> and you waste your time so you got to do your research yeah 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 i love that and i particularly love the Mm -hmm. part about finding a mentor within that organization um because so so often we hear about you know needing a mentor or a sponsor um as we develop throughout our careers but linking that back to an organization in which you're active in organically building connections uh, within that community. Absolutely. And I think, um, I think that's a great piece of a advice. A lot of my younger mentees, they feel like, oh, every time I try to find a sponsor in these organizations, it doesn't really work out well. So they don't really believe in the mentorship role. I think it works when you are intentional about your relationship as a mentee. Once you find a mentor, it is your job to build mm-hmm. that relationship cultivate it it's your job monthly to have a standing meeting all my mentors i have a standing meeting with them every month even as even if it's just for me to vent or cry okay oh let me just tell you about this one day last month that was mm-hmm. so terrible oh or you know what yeah you <laughs> cultivating that relationship you just, you just have to yeah love that so as we build our businesses, you know, I think we, we spoke mm-hmm. on this briefly, but new challenges always arise. Um, your plans evolve and on occasion we have to pivot. So one thing that I know that we talked about before that comes to mind is mm-hmm. your merger with Mark Media. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience and how it shaped your strategy experience. today? Um, in the moment, I was very flattered. 
flattered to have a company that was actually a client of mine's for three years want to work with me to want to you know purchase my business that I had had for maybe about four years prior to to want me to you know come on as their CMO and run their company it was very flattering the numbers look right um I felt like the relationship was in sync because the founder of that agency was my client for three years. I had built her brand under the PR vein umbrella. It just all felt right. And I prayed about it before I signed. I had my attorneys look over everything. It just, it just felt right. But within, I would say six to eight weeks into the new business, I knew something was wrong. My gut told me something was wrong. Things just didn't add up. Um, mm-hmm. it, 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 it was hard. And instead of me pivoting in that very moment, I said, no, I'm going to stick to this. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to fight. I'm going to help change the processes. I'm going to help change the systems. I'm going to make things right. You know, I'm going to help as much as I can because this is what I'm devoted to right now. I've poured all of you know, myself into this new company, I have to make things right. Um, so it was hard. It, it was it was very, very hard. And even as each month went by, it just got more and more difficult. And God continued to reveal to me that um, things weren't going to get better, you know, because they just continued to get worse. Um, and mm. I saw how it affected my team. I saw how it affected my clients all of these things that I could not really fix, even though I tried. And so it wasn't until about eight months afterwards that I decided to revoke the acquisition. And I was afraid in that moment because I stripped away my company that I had built for so long to, you know, sell to this new company that I believed in and wanted to make it work, but it just did not, it just did not work out. And maybe about a month before I resigned, I was in deep mm-hmm. prayer with God, deep fasting and praying. And at the time I was, I was also trying to get pregnant and I just was like, Oh goodness, you know, I, I don't know what to do. God, I just felt so lost. So that was a time that I had to really lean on my village. Um, and when I say village, I mean a group of women that I trust. Uh, they're more than just mentors and sponsors, but there are people who believe in God like me who are going to be very candid and honest with me, no matter how hurtful it is. Um, And I sat down with each and every one of them and I gave them the facts. I showed them the, you know, the research that I had conducted and they all said that I needed to leave. And so I spent a month figuring out what that pivot Mm -hmm. was going to look like, how I was going to tell my internal team, my, my direct reports, um, how I was going to tell my, my, my ex, my partners at the time, I knew they weren't going to take the news well. And then I had to start thinking about how that would affect my career as I transitioned back to my original company. So it was very difficult. And there were times when I felt like God had, you know, you know, kind of cursed me, you know, to be honest with you, I just, I felt like I was cursed. Like, God, why would you put me mm-hmm. through all of that? Why would you like have me sell my company to have to turn around and revoke the acquisition? Like, it's embarrassing. It's frustrating. It's expensive. 
I mean, the legal fees alone just made me cry, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but again, God always knows what's best because I didn't think I was going to be able to bounce back, but I bounced back harder and bigger and better. So he, he always, he, yep. he, he's going to get his way regardless. <laughs> so you just can't fight it. Absolutely. Very, very Those true. storms bring rainbows. So, so broken, <laughs> so alone, so afraid. And, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful mm-hmm. to have a husband who's very stable and who's a great provider, but you get afraid of that comfort. You know, you get, you so used to live in a certain type of way. You're like, Oh, is, are things going to, you know, really just change completely for me? Will I not have any income? Are clients going to come with me? And God worked it all out because clients came with me. Team members came with me. Um, he helped me rebuild buy all my shares. It was expensive. But I got through the legal battle in five months. I thought it was going to take a year. Um, and it, it really, it was me going through that valley. And it, it was, it was tough. It was tough every mm-hmm. single day. But again, that's why I had to lean on my village. When I told them that, hey, I'm going to do it. They checked in on me. They supported me. They sent me lunch just, just to make sure that I'm okay. You know, so it, it, it's, it's tough pivoting, especially mm-hmm. when you're forced to pivot. Because for me, I should have pivoted within those first six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. But I kept thinking, no, I got this, God. I got it. I got it. You gave me this for a reason. You you, you said you wouldn't give me more <laughs> than uh, what I could handle. So I can handle this, right? And then, listen, eight months later, I'm like, oh, actually, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to episode two of F Nation with Gabby Roseman. Erica's resilience is a testament to what is possible when you build a business on the foundation of faith. Check out our bonus episode where Erica discusses how she rebuilt her business and doubled the firm's revenue in less than a year following the acquisition. As always, be sure to follow us and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast.